Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Gina Ryan, and I am so happy to be with you again today as together we can consider the many ways to bring your mind and body back to its natural peace and calm. I have a very special guest with me today that I am excited about, and I know after you hear this, you're going to say, what a great guest Gina had. I have Rick Hansen, Ph.D. today. Without further ado, I want to introduce Dr. Rick Hansen, Ph.D., He's a psychologist, a senior fellow at the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley, and New York Times best-selling author. His books include Hardwiring Happiness, Buddha's Brain, Just One Thing, and Mother Nurture. He edits the Wise Brain Bulletin and has several audio programs. A summa cum laude graduate of UCLA and founder of the Wellspring Institute for Neuroscience and Contemplative Wisdom. He's an avid speaker at Oxford. Um, He's been an invited speaker, excuse me, at Oxford, Stanford, and Harvard and taught in meditation centers worldwide. His work has been featured on BBC, CBS, and NPR. And he offers the free Just One Thing newsletter with over 110,000 subscribers. Wow. Plus, he has this program I was just mentioning. It's an online program entitled Foundations of Well-Being. It's a program in positive neuroplasticity. And we will talk more about that as we go along. Welcome, Rick Hansen. Well, I'm really, really happy to be here. Thank you very much. And Thank you for joining us. Um, tell us tell us um, about this program just to get us started before I get into my questions for you. Oh, very. Give us a little outline of it. Yeah. Oh, very briefly. It's an online experiential program uh, grounded in brain science and super practical. It's really about um, how to use um, simple, effective things you can do in everyday life to grow resources inside yourself. In other words, to grow more, uh, you know, uh, capacities inside to uh, experience calm strength, let's say, or relaxation or more rapid recovery from setbacks or feel more deeply cared about or feel more able to be at peace with other people. So we take about an hour or so a week. Uh, over the course of roughly a year, and people can do it at their own pace. They can speed up or slow down however they like. And the program itself is unbelievably rich with resources. No one complains that there's too little in the program. If they ever complain, it's amazing. It's, oh my God, I, I think of it honestly as the encyclopedia of well-being. And so you can find out about it. Just go to my website, rickhanson.net, or go to the Anxiety Coaches podcast page, you know, the anxietycoachespodcast.com, and you'll see on the sidebar there, 
a little box um, ad for the practical neuroscience of happiness, love, and wisdom, which is the subtitle of the Foundations of Wellbeing program. And if you just click on that link, it'll take you to information about the program. Um, so that's that's enough to say about it for now. Yeah, yes. Well, the reason I wanted to bring it up early on is because everything that you just mentioned and everything in those 12 pillars that is in this program is everything we talk about here. Mm -hmm. It's what we talk about on our Facebook group. It's the issues that come up. And um, so it... You, it just wanted everybody to know that, like, you're our guy. You really, uh, you fit in so well here with us. So, well, thank you. And I'm anxious by temperament and have been deeply interested in, in fear, broadly defined, the whole range of it, from very subtle uneasiness to full-blown panic and terror. I'm very interested in that whole spectrum from the standpoint of, you know, healing, well-being, and personally, spiritual practice. Yeah, yes. I love being, bringing in the spiritual practice of it, too. It's one of the things that um, helped me move along the most yeah. was deepening a, a spiritual practice. Um, all the other pieces were all still necessary, too, but maybe that was my little cornerstone. I'm not sure, but uh, it really has served me, not only in getting out of my uh, anxiety state that I had been in, Rick, for probably... 20 years I had a long journey it was way before the internet and all I had were library books so um, it was uh, deepening that meditation that calm centering um, learning mindfulness on my own and then uh, eventually branching out and finding my you know my people yeah. so um, and there are a lot of the people that are in your program so you know Tara Brach and um, uh, Sharon Salzberg, these are all uh, people that have very much informed not only my life, but my healing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and so you know fear firsthand also. Oh, yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. In ways large and small, I mean, um, you know, under it's a chosen situation, but for example, I've done a lot of rock climbing. And um, mm -hmm. I, uh, maybe I'll tell a little story from rock climbing that was a great teaching for me. You know if that's okay uh, about fear so <clears throat> briefly when I was first rock climbing I was in my early 20s mid 20s and I'd go with my friends and we'd climb all day and then we'd come back to the campground and you know hang out and go to sleep and then do it again the next day and there was a particular day or evening rather early on in my learning to be a climber in which uh, I would be starting to fall asleep and I'd start moving into kind of sort of a dream. It wasn't quite a dream. It was more an image. And it was an intense image of me falling down the side of a thousand foot cliff, you know, heading fast for the flat boulders, you know, to splatter at the bottom. And I would immediately, just before I hit the boulders, I'd like, whoa, pull myself out mm -hmm. of it. Like, whoa, that's weird. I didn't like that, you know? So, oh, that was yeah. strange. So then I started falling back asleep, back to sleep again. And there I was again, tumbling through the air, flashing past this gray granite cliff, hitting for the boulders at the bottom. Whoa! I pulled out again. And that happened, you know, several times. And it finally, I got, you know, sort of like, what am I going to do about this? And I had, at that point, I was beginning to develop a personal growth orientation to life altogether. Uh, so I said to myself, well... 
whew, scary, sure, but open to it and see what happens. So uh, then as I fell asleep, I let myself tumble through space, heading for the boulders, willing to splatter on them, you know, knowing rationally that I wasn't actually going to die. That helped me do this in, the, in my <laughs> imagery. And tumbling through space, aiming for the boulders, willing to splash, you know, and boom, just before I hit the boulders, I had this realization that what had happened was that over the course of the day of climbing, including what's called leading, so you're above your points of protection, and if you fall, you can go 20, 40, 50 feet or more. You know, it's kind of scary. Mm. As a young climber, I had totally suppressed my fear. I had pushed it down. And then in the phrase from Sigmund Freud, the return of the repressed, the fear I shoved down hard, bubbled back up again when I was in a more relaxed, vulnerable, permeable kind of space or state as I was falling asleep. And it all came up again. And um, I learned a great lesson from that that we need to, as they say in Zen, be with our mind like the skillful rider of a horse, neither too loose nor too tight a rein. Mm. I needed to, as I was climbing, open to sort of appropriate and you know understandable amounts of anxiety without being flooded by it, that would be too loose a rein, nor suppressing it, which would be too tight a rein. And as a result, that shifted my relationship to anxiety. I began to realize that um, anxiety is an experience like any other. But as the years went on, and, you know, I'm older now, uh, I don't know about wiser, but definitely older. And, you know, <laughs> as I became a psychologist and then got deeply in engaged with neuroscience and evolution and also contemplative practice, I came to realize that, um, you know, while we're designed in a way to be anxious, that actually most of our anxiety is unnecessary and it doesn't actually tell us anything useful. And much of the time we can be with it and let it flow. We don't need to be hijacked by it, but we don't need to be ruled by it. And um, as an experience, it tends to be privileged in awareness. In other words, it's unlike most experiences. You know, if a moment of hurt flows through your mind, you know, hurt, I don't like it, I can let it go. Irritation, you know, I get it, they're jerks, grumble, grumble, move on, okay? But fear mm -hmm. or related emotions like disgust, whoa, that might be a threat. Something might be about to eat me or in my social group, my primate band, or human band, or my life today, whoa, someone might be about to hit me, or cheat on me, or hurt me, or attack me, or make fun of me, or dismiss me, or not listen to me, whoa. So we tend to privilege their fear. But if we can come to appreciate that fear is unpleasant, you know, it's not like we would want someone to feel anxious in the same way it's okay to wish that we weren't anxious. But most of the time, fear is like a car alarm. It's annoying. It's mm. unpleasant. You'd rather be listening to the birds or your music or reading your book without that blap, 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 blap car alarm <laughs> going off. But most of the time, there's a term in psychology, signal anxiety. Most fear is not signal. It's just noise. And that was a great lesson I learned, you know, rock climbing. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Prolon Life. This is a revolutionary plant-based nutrition program that nourishes the body while making the cells believe they're fasting. It is proven to induce autophagy or autophagy, the body's internal cellular repair and recycling pathway, which has been linked to improved health and reduced disease. The five-day program uses science-backed nutrition technology that offers the benefits of prolonged water fasting while providing food and nutrients to enhance safety, adherence, and long-term outcomes. I have wanted to do a water fast for quite a while for health reasons, but I've not found the right place or time yet, so I'm very excited to try Prolong Life five-day program as soon as it arrives. It offers all the benefits of fasting without the inconvenience. Prolong Life's program includes snacks, soups, and beverages designed to keep your body in a fasting state. It's no wonder why thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon to support healthy blood sugar and cardiovascular health. Right now, Prolon is offering the Anxiety Coaches Podcast listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash ACP. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash ACP for the special offer. Prolon L Nutra. That's prolonlife.com slash ACP. Oh my gosh, that's a beautiful story. Oh, thank you. There's a lot of points in there. I don't even know where to start. Oh, my goodness. I love this fear is noise. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if it's telling us something useful, okay. You know, like we get that creepy feeling about that person. Don't go on a second date, you know, or you get right. that funny feeling inside. You know, I really need to check my bank because I think I might be getting overdrawn. Okay, do that. Or inside, you've got this funny intuition. You know, for me as a longtime therapist, mother's intuition is gold. You know, you got this funny feeling mm. that your kid's actually not really happy behind her happy, you know, her smiley face. Or you have this funny the odd that your teenager, you know, is getting stoned every day when he goes off to school. You know, listen to mm-hmm. those things, you know. But on the whole, you're right. Most uh, in this moment, and this is such a practical thing. It's a practice I do routinely. And you can do it right now as a listener. In this moment, look directly. Is your body basically all right right now? It, and, and you all together. Are you basically all right right now? I mean, it's probably not a perfect moment. There might be some pain. There might be some worry. There, the body might be hurting. But basically, is there enough air to breathe? Is there an ongoingness of living in a very primal way? Do you have enough water to drink? Is there enough food, you know, in your refrigerator? Um, in this moment, Um, hopefully no shark is chewing on your leg. Hopefully you're not in agonizing pain. Hopefully not, you know, no terrible thing is happening right now. You may not have been basically all right in the past. You may not be basically all right in the future. Life can be challenging and difficult. Okay, for sure. But in this moment, for most people, most seconds of most days, they're perfectly all right. You're all right. right. And when you recognize the fact that your body is telling you, like the calls of a night watchman, all is well. It's not perfect, but it's basically okay. Oh, you realize you can afford to let go of needless anxiety, letting go of unnecessary Mm. tension, 
unnecessary apprehensiveness, unnecessary bracing. Uh, and whatever anxiety remains that you know rationally is unreasonable, it's not helpful, it's needless suffering, at least you don't need to identify with it. At least you can step back from it. And also definitely don't fuel it. Don't you know keep right. adding rumination or looping round and round the track of worry. Um, and instead, notice the fact in this moment right now, like the last two minutes, I'm in on this little riff here. You've been basically all right. I bet you every mm -hmm. single second of the last two minutes listing here, you've been basically all right. Not great, maybe not perfect, but basically okay. No basis for fear. Nothing is threatening yeah. you in this instant. Isn't that profound? Undisturbed, it's, undefended, yeah. unthreatened, undistracted right now. The beautiful piece of that, Brick, is that that's so true and for such a huge amount of our minutes of our days. And when something really big does happen, we're usually able to handle that's it. That's wonderfully true. Wonderfully true to get. You know, I, I think about, like, my background is a developmentalist, you know, children. And I, we've had two kids. I was a kid. I remember my childhood really well. And <laughs> I've worked a lot with kids. And when you're a kid, um, and this is often true for situations in which people learned fear. I mean, we're, we're designed to learn from our experiences, especially negative experiences, especially negative experiences in childhood. We're designed. Mm -hmm. That's how the brain is designed. Okay. So if you've had painful, difficult experiences or you had sort of like vicarious trauma, you saw things happen to other people. It's natural to have acquired a fearfulness, especially if those events that you experienced or saw or imagined landed on a sensitive or otherwise vulnerable temperament or constitution. Mm -hmm. Maybe there were other issues like physical health problems and so forth. Okay. Um, so given that, though, right, thinking about children mm -hmm. or maybe it happened when you were an adult or maybe it happened during a combat tour or a particular situation or when you were, you know, walking down a dark um, street. Um, first, uh, you know, bad things happened often. Right. As a kid, yeah. you know, it was routine. You were stuck in bad situations. The other kids in school, your siblings, your parents, your caregivers, whatever it was, your, the social milieu, the growing up in poverty, targeted for, by racism. Lots of bad things happened. All right. Second, they hit you really hard because you were a kid. Let's talk about being a kid. Mm. Of course, you feel things keenly. You don't have the regulatory systems that develop over the lifespan, especially by your 30th birthday, you know, in your nervous system. And third, you didn't have much coping mechanisms. You were stuck. You know, you didn't have ways of managing your own reactions. You also didn't have a credit card. You couldn't whip it out, you know, <laughs> rent a car and say, see you later, jerks. You know what I mean? And get out of there and right. get away. You were you know, you didn't, you didn't have any resources, but as an adult, think about those three things. First of all, what's the actual likelihood of the dreaded experience occurring? It's probably pretty low because you're out yeah. of those scenes, you know, to some extent at least. I'm, and again, I'm not trying to paint a pretty picture. I don't believe in positive thinking. I believe in realistic thinking. We're not looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. We're trying to see the whole mosaic of reality clearly, but with a brain that is kind of designed because that's what worked in evolution to focus on the negative. 
All right. So first, right. we need to recognize that in most cases, the odds today of a bad event are much lower than when we were fill in the blank, serving that tour of duty in Iraq or in that bad marriage or with that horrible boss or stuck in that particular childhood. Second, if it mm. did happen, it would be unpleasant. It wouldn't be nice. We wouldn't like it. But, you know, a day or two or three, probably. And again, I'm not trying to minimize anything whatsoever. I'm just speaking in reality. Usually we don't feel it so keenly as adults. We have more internal shock absorbers and buffers. Uh, where Our lives are more complex. We move on to the next thing, typically. It doesn't hit us so hard. And third, however, if it does happen and it does hit us hard, we still have many more coping, as you were saying a moment ago, coping resources than we had when we were yeah. children. And knowing all that gives us a, uh, an authentic confidence and an authentic cultivation appropriately of a certain fearlessness when we move through life. One of the things I routinely do when I'm with other people, I'm doing it right on this call right now, this podcast, um, is there actually the basis for fear now, here and now? No, Gina's not going to attack me. I don't know Gina nope. well. You're, you know, relatively a stranger. <laughs> you know, a lot of threats came through strangers, mm -hmm. but you're a nice person. I can relax. Worst case scenario, I just disconnect from the podcast. You know, I, I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> I don't need to freak out about it. And so I myself routinely do this practice with other people, especially because that's where a lot of our fears arise in the modern world, where I just again and again look. Am I actually being threatened in this moment? Or even if I'm actually being threatened, there is a challenge. You know, there is some sort of threat on the space or, or, or hazard I'm actually dealing with. Can I remain peaceful about it? Do I need to be upset about it? You know, if I'm driving next to some big truck on the freeway, yeah, I'm alert. Yeah, you know, my heart's beating a little faster. That's appropriate. I'm coping. But I don't need to feel bothered by the fact that I'm right there next to that truck. And that's the way we can have of going through life. Yeah. What do you think? Hopefully I'm not blathering on too much. Oh, you are not at all. It's, um, it's, exactly, it's exactly where people are at. And the next question then comes up is how do, um, like the people I deal with and the calls that we get or the emails, they get this intellectually. Yeah right? What mm -hmm. you're saying. And then they will still go about and have that pounding yeah. heart, sweaty palms. And, um, and so what do you say is the piece that needs to come in order to put that all together, mm -hmm. the understanding of it intellectually and actually getting it in the yeah, heart? I think that's a great question. Fundamentally, you're talking about learning. In a broad sense, mm -hmm. not memorizing the state capitals or something, but learning in a broad sense, you know, emotional learning, body learning, somatic learning, motivational yeah. learning, learning related to desires and values and aspirations, you know, and intentions, uh, learning social learning, interpersonal learning, learning love, right? Becoming more, mm -hmm. le learning how to love at will, uh, which, you know, my wife's wonderful and, you know, in any long marriage we've got 34 years recently <laughs> under our belt um you know wow. you need to love it well sometimes uh, so yes <laughs> sorry so my point about that is how do we learn we learn from having experiences of what we wish to mm -hmm. learn that we take in so if you want to bring this intellectual understanding into your body 
through repeated experiences of, for example, relaxing as you exhale, which is natural because technically uh, what's called the parasympathetic wing of the nervous system regulates exhalation, and that wing of the nervous system is the so-called rest and digest and relax wing of the nervous system. It helps us naturally calm down. So tune into your exhalations. Notice how you naturally calm down a little bit. Your heartbeat slows a little bit during the exhalation. It speeds up a little in the inhalation. You know, feel it in your body. When you recognize that your body right now is telling you that you're all right, there is a going on of being. You're going on living. An ongoing livingness is actually being communicated up into your brain. Listen to it. Listen to your inner night watch person, if you will, who's telling you that all is well fundamentally and basically. Feel it. Feel that you're actually all right right now, again and again and again. I I jokingly say 10,000 times, 10 seconds at a time. (laughs) In other words, little things add up over time. So you want to feel that you're all right. You want to feel the letting go of unnecessary guarding or bracing and then see what happens. You know, and do it in baby steps. It's very appropriate. One step up the ladder at a time. Let go a little bit and see if it's okay. A lot of people are afraid of not being anxious. In other words, they're afraid that if they're not vigilant, anxious, and easy, and so forth, tense, tight, and playing small, whack, they'll lower their guard, and that's when they'll be hurt and attacked. And maybe because that's when did happen when they were, say, younger. But so these days, you know, recognize that you can do both. Like in my rock climbing story, I could be both Mm -hmm. vigilant about threat and mildly keyed up because I didn't want to fall. You know, I did not want to slip and fall. While at the same time, recognizing that I'm okay. I can do this. I'm skillfully moving through this crack or more generally, I'm moving through this tricky conversation with this other person. I'm driving on this freeway um, next to the truck and it's okay. I'm, you know, in this awkward dinner in which I'm stuck. My jerk of a brother-in-law is always finding fault with me. And, you know, I don't need to listen to the guy. I can turn down the volume, you know, it is a little, his, his podcast, I can dial it down. Um, Yeah. In other words, to, to feel it, to recognize it. Oh, and my point is, and I'll finish on this little point. I don't want to blather on. In other words, you can take a little step of relaxing and opening, realizing that you can remain aware of potential threats or hazards around you while still feeling a kind of calm strength inside, you know, strong enough to deal with it and also calm and fundamentally at peace. And then you go, okay, I'll take the next step, you know, and I'll do an experiment. Does something bad happen when I recognize even more deeply that in this moment, at least, there's no basis for threat, right? There might be a basis for caution, but I don't need to, there's no basis for fear. There might be the basis for caution. There might be the basis for prudence, or taking skillful right. action, or making a plan. You know, a good plan binds anxiety. Um, you know, know what your plan is. If only inside, right. you know, your own mind. If you can't change what's around you, at least, you know, work with what's inside your own mind. Um, you know, there might be a basis for a good plan, for alertness, for caution, and so forth, but there need not be a basis for fear. Yeah. Now, that's important. Mm-hmm. That idea that those are different yeah. things. And then over time, what happens? And I did it myself, you know, 10,000 times, 10 seconds at a time. 
<laughs> maybe it's only a thousand. But anyway, you know, it's a it's a lot. There's a technical term in neuropsychology, mo better. In other words, more better. In other words, mo better. More episodes yeah. of learning. In other words, of growth, of development, of healing, of positive change. And then more episodes of engage, more depth of engagement rather, in those episodes of learning. Um, and as you do it, then you go further and further and further up the ladder. Increasingly, uh, quoting the Buddha here, he says, one, uh, one who can just recite the teachings is not called wise. One who is peaceable, friendly, and fearless is called wise. Isn't that great? I just love the combination. That's peaceable, beautiful. friendly, and fearless. Yeah. Yes. And that we can get to that fearlessness with time. That's right. Over time. And it, it's not a light switch that, that you just get a piece of information right. and you flip the switch yeah. and you're done. And it could well be that by that your nature is mildly anxious. And so yeah. there's this background trickle. It's noise. It's like a car alarm going off. It doesn't mean anything. Um, but it's there. It's mildly unpleasant. Some people are mildly melancholic. Some people are kind of mildly irritable, you know, a little prickly yes. by their temperament. <laughs> Other people are sort of, you know, mildly calm by their nature, you know, um, whatever it is. There might still be. And, you know, if you had a, if a person had a terrible traumatic history, and I want to be so clear here, I'm not trying to minimize a darn thing, you know. And, okay, maybe it's your nature to be particularly sensitive to being around authority figures, or maybe it's your nature to not do well in noisy environments or with frequent interruptions or uh, loud banging noises going on around you. That's not good for you. Okay, do what you can to you know, protect that trick knee, as it were. You know, do what you can to rehab that trick knee. Do what you can to get, a, get braces around it in terms of your inner practices, mm-hmm. your developing inner resources, inner shock absorbers, understandings, a variety of things, you know, certainly do that part. And also, um, if you can, uh, avoid those situations that hit you hard at your trichony, you know. Um, and then you go forward in life. And maybe, you know, of the 5,000 things a person can do in life, you can only do 4,950. Uh, still, <laughs> life can be. Or maybe you can only do 4,000, period. But still, life is full of opportunity. Absolutely. My goodness, Rick, that is ending us on such a beautiful, upbeat note. Life is still colorful and so many things we can do, even when we take care of ourselves within the structure that our temperament is. And um, and I, I'm really appreciating you sharing so much with us today. Do you have any last words before we close out our podcast? Um, Maybe one last tip or something for people who are generally suffering daily with um, not being able to move forward because of uh, being in that uh, fear state all the time. I think there are three great ways to practice. And I'll say them. And as I say them, if you're listening, you might ask yourself, you know, what are you, uh, what are you strong at and what is an opportunity? So the three great ways mm-hmm. to engage the mind usefully are to let be, let go, and let in. So as mm. anxieties or fears or upset um, arises, can you be with it? Can you step back from it? 
hold it in mindful awareness and let it be not identified with it, not fueling it, observing it. It's not pleasant, but you're, you're not captured by it or swept away by it. Can you do that? Also, can you let it go? Can you take some long exhalations? A wonderful, skillful means is to take several breaths in which the exhalation is roughly twice as long as the inhalation. That will force activation yeah. of the parasympathetic wing of the nervous system, which is naturally calming. Um, can you release tension from your body? Can you uh, challenge beliefs that are not good for you or other people that are overly catastrophizing or overly generalizing or overly self-critical, for example? Um, letting go. And there are other kinds of letting go as well. Can you let go of certain efforts to, you know, be on a lifelong quest to get blood from a stone? Because that is the script yeah. for your childhood. And instead, let go of certain kinds of projects or certain kinds of relationships or certain kinds of um, fantasies that somehow you'll be fine in your retirement, even if you haven't saved any money. You know, there are a lot of forms of useful <laughs> letting go, right? Uh, letting go of attachment mm -hmm. to the outcome, you know, letting go of other people having the thoughts you wish they would have or the intentions towards you you wish they would have or the feelings towards you you wish they would have. Letting go and, you know, uh, and also letting go of unwholesome desires. You know, if you're eating too much, drinking too much, smoking too much, shopping too much, gambling too much, whatever it might be as a way to self-medicate, mm -hmm. uh, you know, letting go of that as well on, on you know, problematic desires. And then also very important let in. Sometimes people can get so caught up, I've definitely have been this way, um, in fixing something, you know, deal, you know, fixing their trauma, working through the PTSD, you know, clearing those negative beliefs, whatever, that they forget to, to let in. Um, the mind is like a garden, you know, one, you can witness a garden, two, pull weeds, three, plant flowers. And a lot of people are pretty good at witnessing the garden, you know, observing it mindfully. Or pulling weeds, you know, letting go of what's problematic and painful, but they're not very focused on planting flowers, cultivating what is pleasurable, enjoyable and beneficial and wholesome in their mind and heart. So look for those little opportunities as you move through your day. What else could I notice around me? That's a good fact. You know, in an imperfect world, there are many, many things that are still beautiful. Flowers are blooming. Chocolate tastes great. Children are laughing. Mm -hmm. As the Dalai Lama said, if you can be happy that others are happy, you'll always be happy because there's always somebody somewhere mm -hmm. who's happy somewhere around the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, gratitude for things like, you know, fresh water, or flush toilets, uh, refrigeration, ibuprofen, the Golden State Warriors. I live in North, just north of San Francisco. <laughs> it's a good time to like basketball. Uh, so, um, you know, take it and take in the good of other people, you know, the kindness in the face of another yeah. person, the, the relief that a bad thing you feared would happen didn't happen. Uh, uh, take in the recognition of your own good heart, your own warm heartedness, your own decency, your own good intentions, your own abilities, your own hard won efforts and the fruits of them over time, you know, grow that as well. So that's it. Uh, and if you're upset about something that gives you a little roadmap, you start with letting be. You don't fight it. You explore it. You open to it. Maybe you can only bear it briefly and then you move on. Other times you really stay with it longer, whatever feels right. And then there's a natural movement into letting go, moving into releasing, mm -hmm. you know, dropping it, venting, you know, disengaging. And then there's the letting in, the replacing what you've released with some positive, wholesome alternative. And that gives us a roadmap. Mm -hmm. And then what I would say to finish is 
uh, to really appreciate the fact, mo better, that a few <sighs> times a day at least, and you know, 10 seconds here, 30 seconds there, and maybe well, a time or two a day that's actually longer, like some formal practice, like a minute of grace at a meal, or um, you know, some gratitude reflections just before falling asleep, or being really meditative when you walk your dog in the morning, or sit uh, more formally. Um, you know that these efforts, which usually in most people's lives amount to 10 minutes or less a day, but they're real effort. Mm-hmm. Those real efforts will add up over time. Um, you know, just a traditional quote I, rem- I think about a lot goes like this, and I'll finish here. Think not lightly of good, saying, it will not come to me. Drop by drop is the water pot filled. Likewise, the wise one, gathering it little by little, fills oneself with good. Oh, Rick, that is beautiful. Well, I, did, I didn't make it. My I didn't goodness. write it. So I know, but but you shared it, and we are grateful for that. Thank you. And thank you for these amazing words of wisdom today. This has been so helpful. And one last time before we spring you loose, where can my listeners well, find you? you? net. Um, there you can find chock full of resources, many of which are relevant to anxiety or related issues. And also you can see on that website, Rick Hansen, son.net, um, like I said, full of freely offered resources. You can see information about the Foundations of Wellbeing program, which um, because it's, it's incredibly rich with resources, uh, you know, if you can afford it, uh, it's about $250 or so. If you can afford it, great. But if, um, you know, there's any kind of financial hardship, we love giving away scholarships. We love it. And we have nearly a thousand people already doing it for free. Oh, beautiful, Rick. I love hearing that because we don't want to leave anyone behind because of money. And another thing they can do is to sign up for your Just One Thing newsletter. I've been reading it for years. Well, thank you. It's freely offered. Uh, You can always unsubscribe. I'll never give your email address to anybody except people who work for me, you know. And um, it's a simple practice every week. Uh, You know, it's funny. The one this week is actually a source of anxiety for many people. Uh, It's called Be at Peace with the Pain of Others. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Another one I just did. I'm just looking at the titles for fun right now. Relax Anxiety About Imperfection. That's right. Yeah, another yeah, tough right. one. Be patient, love freely, um, keep going, you know, pause, water your fruit tree. That all seems pretty relevant. So each week it's very short. It's short and sweet. It's just a one thing. It is short and sweet, but again, it's like those drops right. of water. It makes Mo-beta. a difference. It really does. Right. Mobetta. Actually, that's a commonly said here in Hawaii. Ah, so that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Rick Hansen, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, my goodness. I hope everyone is enjoying this. I know some of you are going to listen to this over and over again, as you uh, do with some of our great podcasts. And I want to thank everyone again for being with us. And Rick, all of my listeners, as I be can be their representative for a moment, we say thank you very, very, mm. very much. And we hope that you have a wonderful weekend coming up. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. 
Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at theanxietycoachespodcast.com. I'd like to invite you to our exclusive group coaching membership. It's an opportunity to join a community of like-minded individuals that are committed to achieving their personal goal of living with more peace and calm. Our membership program offers you the chance to connect with a group of individuals who are dedicated to clearing their chronic stress, anxiety, and panic while living with joy. You'll have the opportunity to participate in live group coaching sessions with me. By becoming a member, you also gain access to exclusive resources and materials designed to support your healing, well-being, and growth. These include skill sheets, access to all the Anxiety Coaches podcast episodes ad-free, and perhaps the most significant benefit of our membership program is the support and accountability that comes from being part of a group of like-minded individuals who are all striving towards similar goals. You'll be able to share your experiences and insights with coaches and group members, receive feedback and advice, and build relationships with people who share your desire to live with freedom from anxiety, worry, and negative thoughts. Start overcoming anxiety today and make it last a lifetime. Sign up for our group coaching membership today and take the first step toward unlocking your full potential for more peace and calm. Go to acpgroupcoaching.com. I'd love to see you in the group acpgroupcoaching.com. The link is in the show notes.